This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Everybody, welcome. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, and the Town Hall Academy, week 339. Good to have you here. As you can see, we're doing a show on Are You Really Overbooked? And uh, I got to tell you, I have a funny feeling this is going to be a pretty popular episode because we are always so darn proud of the fact that, hey, I'm out three weeks. And, you know, when you talk to the coaches here in the Business Coaches Lab, they may really have you rethink that today. What we want to try to talk about, or at least our goals are, is what does overbooked really mean? Understanding your productivity numbers. Don't confuse busy with profit. What is the customer's expectation of the time of repair? And are you burning out your team? Hey, let's meet our panel here today. Marie Voth, RPM Training. My great friend out of Vancouver from rpmtraining.net. And Rick White's with us, president of 180biz at 180biz.com. Hey, Rick. Hey. Chris Cotton's with us, Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching at uh, autoshopcoaching.com. And Chris is joining us all the way from Vienna tonight. Yes, Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've already learned the language. How nice. Vic Tarasik's with us, shop owner coach at shopownercoach.com. We, in the past, have done business coaches labs, and I haven't done one in a while. Although we do do a monthly camp Facebook live thing where all we get the coaches together, we talk about a bunch of stuff, but I haven't done one on Town Hall Academy in a while. So with that all said, let's pay homage to our great sponsors that make the Town Hall Academy continuing to be free for everyone. Deliver cars to clients faster so they get their wheels sooner than, and actually then you save valuable time at the front counter with remote payments. You also get your money sooner without having to chase down your debts. It's just another reason to get shopware.com. And with over 2,300 SKUs and 95% of sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi is everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos. Get started at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, Rick, let's open this puppy up. Uh-oh. What's overbooked really mean? Well, you know, this is the thing. I see people that are booked out two, three, four weeks but they're not billing the hours they should be. And one of my biggest peeves is when you got an owner or manager feeling like they got to go out into the bays working on cars because they're so busy when they're only getting four or five hours billed per day per tag. They don't want to be in the shop where they should be is stepping back and figuring out what's going on that's preventing the guys, their people, and please any female techs, I'm from the Northeast, guys is a non-gender specific term. But you want to make sure that you're getting everything that you should be out of the team you have production-wise. You know, what are the issues that you have? Is there a flow issue? Is there a communication issue? A parts issue? What bottlenecks are you dealing with? Don't naturally assume it's a technician issue. I find 80 to 85% of the time, it's a shop issue, not a tech issue. There are other things that are in the way preventing the tax from being able to bill what they should be. But I tell my clients straight up, until you're getting at least eight hours a day out of your tax, the last place you should be as an owner or manager is in the bay. Now, your guys are all real, real busy and they're billing 10, 12 hours a day and you got a backlog or an emergency you want to bring in and you're freed up and can do it. I'm not great with that, but I'm okay with it. But man, don't go jumping into the bay. 
you got to figure out why are you overbooked? Is it too many cars? Is it not getting enough hours? Is it a flow issue? So I'm going to agree and disagree with Rick. Oh, I agree with you. Bring it on. Go World War Three. Let's go. And the Brits will not on ice. We'll win. I agree with you that it is not a technician issue, but rather than 80 and 85%, I think 90 and 95% of it is a shop issue. That's okay. (laughs) There's a little deke there. So just having a little bit of fun. But you know, when you take a look at the average what's billed in the industry, Canada is an old study now, 4.2 build hours per tech per day. Apparently a couple of studies done in the States five, six years ago was 5.3 per tech per day. I can rattle off five things off the top of my head that are partially causing that. Number one, not charging for testing and inspecting and diagnosing. So there's a process issue there. Number two, doing oil changes. I don't call them that anymore. They're maintenance services all day without doing inspections or getting other work done, right? The consumer is directing the flow. I want an oil change. Okay, that's what you want, sir. I want my tires changed two weeks later. That's what you want, sir. Two weeks later, I need a cabin air filter. Okay, great. That's what you want, sir. So a lot of shops are doing the old McDonald's piecemeal right? As opposed to serving the whole steak dinner. Now, the third one would be, oh, I mentioned inspections. The third one would be not charging with the guides properly for age, rust, and condition of a vehicle, mm-hmm. right? You give a technician two hours to do those ball joints when in reality, the best tech could barely do it in two. They should have been sold for three. So those are three system errors right away that are not technician issues. They're back shop issues, management issues that we need to look at. And something that I want to make sure we cover for everybody, whoever talks about it, is back to the consumer expectation of how soon they want their car back as well. Mm-hmm. Because that mm-hmm. is also a problem that uh, we talked about back when this conversation started. So, well, I'm going to come back and say, you know, part of the issue at times is, and it's an issue, is a technician as an advisor looks at an estimate and goes, I could do that faster. And they cut the time down, mm-hmm. right? Don't do that. Like the next time you're thinking about doing it, open your desk drawer up, stick your hands in the drawer and then slam it shut with your knee. Don't. Change the times. In fact, you should be adding to them, honestly, right? You Mm -hmm. should have a matrix involved for your labor. You have a parts matrix, you should have a labor matrix. But ultimately, one of the biggest things we see is they're not charging enough. And a lot of times that can come from that front counter right away, where it is an emotional event. Estimating should never be an emotional event, right? We should understand what they want. We want to understand where they want to go with the vehicle, what their vehicle timeline looks like and then make recommendations to help them get there. We are an industry that for years has been subsidizing auto repair for our clients, and we've got to stop doing it. Hey, guys, I got a really quick pointer about inspections. You just brought that up watching TV the other night, and an HVAC person came on and said, hey, it's hot. How about if we come over and inspect your air conditioning? And it just hit me like upside the head. It's like 80 bucks to have them come over to inspect your air conditioning or your plumbing or whatever it is. And I started to think about all the free work we seem to do to inspect a person's vehicle. Well, we give it away. It's got no value. Right. But I think one of the mistakes we make as an industry is we're telling people what we're going to do. We're not talking about what they get. When I hear a guy say, I'm going to come over and I'm going to do an inspection on your HVAC system, guy's looking for money. But if I talk about doing a performance test on your system to make sure your vehicle, your your AC is going to stay cool all summer long, now I'm talking about something they want, right? Don't talk about what you're going to do. Don't talk about what they're going to get. Talk about what they want. We're going to help you keep your car safe, reliable, and efficient. That's what we want to do. My homage to Bob Greenwood, right? He and I sitting in ASA, Arizona, having a 
a very long extended discussion over a couple of bottles of wine for him and a couple of beers for me. We had this really long talk and it's really true. We've got to be able to have a conversation about what they want, right? Talk about that. Position it like that. You tell someone I want to do an inspection, dude, I'm not going to be into that, right? You're just looking to make money. Tell me what I'm going to get, right? What I want. Tell me what I want. Kind of along that vein, though, when I'm thinking about it, one of the issues that I was seeing is I have shops that like, Chris, we're booked two, three weeks out, but we're rebooking customers that we're in today. They were just in for the oil service, like Murray says. We found this other work. They want to get the other work, but we're too busy. So we're going to say, hey, sorry, we can't get that done today. We're going to do that 10 days from now and have you bring that car back in. And that's something that we never did in my shop. And Murray, we got into this last time. You know, we said yes to everybody and we just figured it out. Like if somebody came in and we went through and inspected their car and there was another $3,000 worth of work, we reshuffled the deck and figure out a way to get it after we renegotiated the contract to get that back in, or I'm sorry, excuse me, not back in, to keep it in and get it done and get it to them tomorrow or the next day, not a week from now or whatever. Yeah. That leads to some of the other thoughts. And and again, for the listeners, I, I don't know if Karn mentioned this. I asked the question in a camp meeting, a little shout out to all the camp members. And we ended up talking for a couple hours on this topic. And hence the reason Karn has invited us all back to, to have this conversation. Yeah, you guys are going at it really heavy. So I figured if we were going to have a wrestling match, let's do it on my show. Yeah. We so, got six so, hours this time, right? So the thought that tagging onto what Chris said is customer, client, expectations are so different than what shop expectations are. And that's been a real wake-up call for me. At my shop, my service stations, I got to the point where I went from a no appointment, will wait, uh, first come, first serve type schedule to where I had people leaving their car for the day or for a couple of days and, and life got better. But I'm now watching shops have clients leave cars for two, three, four days in the week. And the question came up in our discussion and Chris, you and Rick both addressed it for me is, is that we as owners and technicians have this idea that we have to get the car done today. Whereas the consumers are like, can you help me? And then when you tell them that, yes, we can help you, then they'll work with us in terms of a schedule. And and Rick, you talked about a bit of a timeline there as well, right? So I wanted to make sure that we circled back to the listeners to talk about that. I think as an industry, we're expecting to give instant service when a lot of the driving public understands the reality of instant service doesn't work. And they know how badly it goes when we try to offer it, right? Well, I think part of that comes from the one or two people that say, no, I'm going to go someplace else, right? We're running our business on the minority, which is a problem. From my perspective, when I hear an advisor say, when would you like your vehicle back? It's like one of the worst questions. Like I just cringe, I die a little on the inside when I hear that question, because again, who's running the conversation through Mm -hmm. this? Who's driving this? We got to make sure that we as a, a provider are in the driver's seat the whole time. So it should be, hey, you're dropping your vehicle off. We're going to know by 1130 what's going on with your vehicle. We're going to give you a call by 1130, 12 o'clock. Tell them like, if you think it's 1130, tell them 12. Because if you do that, then you're at least guaranteed if they have some reasonable amount of sanity in them, you're not going to get a phone call until 1201. So then when you call them at 1130 and you say, hey, these are everything we've found and this is what we're looking at. It's a lot of work and everything like that. People don't understand or equate what that looks like. So we've got to give them timelines. Don't talk to them in hours. We don't talk to our clients Mm -hmm. in hours. Mm -hmm. Talk to them in dollars. But we've got to give them time. So 
what am I going to do? Listen, we're going to get started on everything here. You've gone through everything. You'll, you want us to do it. We're going to have this back to you. I love this phrase, barring any unforeseen circumstances. We're going to have this back to you by Friday, five o'clock. Do you need any assistance with transportation? See, here's what happens. Advisors get the yes, and they do the little happy Snoopy dance on the inside. And then when it comes time to promise when it's going to be done, we're afraid that if we tell them what we really think or want to give us a little bit of a cushion, we're going to lose the yes. So we've got to be able to say, this is what we're going to do. Let's start as an industry really under-promising and over-delivering versus going the other way around. Because I see it time and again. Advisor looks at his clock, says it's one o'clock. You know, if everything goes right, the valve covers are coming from the parts store. It's a three-hour job. I can have it done today at five. When does anything ever go right? And that's perfect world, Rick. Yeah, I it's, haven't found that world yet. No. I've watched Star Trek and they haven't found the perfect world yet. You know, so what's cool about what you're saying, though, is if we allow our customers to dictate workflow and time, we'll be at their beck and call. But here's the thing. If we dictate to the client when your vehicle is going to get back, we'll be able to manage our workflow so much more effectively. We'll be able to bill more hours, have happier team members. We won't have the stress of over-promising and under-delivering. We run it by a schedule. If we know what our labor inventory is, we can sell to the labor inventory. But, but when we're allowing the customer to dictate to us, we're going to be so darn ineffective, we won't be able to get the things onto the table if we were at a restaurant. You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. It goes back to what Chris was talking about, about trying to say yes to a client if you are scheduling ahead and trying to, as you said, Vic, manage your workflow, you could probably take a vehicle that comes in in an early morning, Chris, 
and actually maybe get it done. Maybe you get one get it done per day. Again, I'm just throwing that out as an idea. Well, and you've got the car there. It's up on the rack. It's ready to go. Why put it all back together, pull it out, give it to the customer? And then a lot of shops, they don't bill that ticket out and they keep that ticket for two or three weeks and then bill the next one out. Recently, we had a big issue with a customer who had to wait. I think we're waiting 90 days on an engine to come in so that we could put it in. The engine came in at a higher price. Meanwhile, the customer was having issues and started shopping it. In his mind, he wasn't ready for the $2,000 diagnostic fees that we had in it. And then so in his mind, six months after the fact, when we got the engine and everything in, it was overpriced. So there's several different things in just that scenario that went wrong that we could have controlled at all those points. Kind of like what Rick was saying. Why would we ever ask our customer their timeline when they're not the professional? We're the professional for crying out loud. Be the professional. I think one of the things I've been working at a lot with my clients and learning a lot from some of them as well with some changes is understanding the client's expectation. We've been talking a fair bit about the owner's point of view, the shop owner, the technician, that kind of thing. But let's look at it from the client's point of view. I drive a vehicle and I have a noise develops. I have a check engine light develops. I need help. I don't know anything about cars. So I call up a shop and the shop says, you know what? We'd love to help you. The best we can do is get you in this afternoon at one o'clock or tomorrow morning at night. The best we could do is identify what your concern is. We'll do a quick test drive. We'll maybe do a basic set of tests to identify, you know, the safety of the vehicle. Things like that. At that point, we can then decide, and I'm going to use your words, Rick, we can decide on a timeline, right? We don't know what our parts availability will be. We don't know what our technician availability will be. But the thing is, is all they're hearing is, yes, I can help you. Mm-hmm. They bring it down and then we go for the test drive. We see the light, we see the leak and they go, so you saw the light, you hear the leak? Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, perfect. How long can I leave the car for? Literally, some of my clients, random clients say that they are offering to leave the car for a week because now it's off of their driveway. You see, what some of my best clients are discovering is, is that a car issue is on their to-do list. And again, keeping this gender neutral, one of the spouses is responsible for the vehicles and the other one is relying on the other one to look after it. And they keep saying, hey, have you taken the car? Have you taken the car in? And they say, well, no, every time I call the shop, they're booked out three weeks. So then I wait another day and they're booked out three weeks. And every time I call, I can't get in. And I try other shops and they're booked out two weeks. And so what ends up happening is, is this frustration builds up in the client's mind that everybody's too busy. So they, but as soon as you say, yes, the best I can do, and now it's off of their driveway, even if their spouse is saying, hey, is the car fixed? And you say, no, they're going to blame me, the shop owner. And the shop owner's got big shoulders and they'll say, you know what? You know, we're dealing with this and with that. And that customer, that client is happy because it's no longer reminding them in their driveway. And now we can use things like timelines, parts availability, technician availability. And then we can fit it in. Like Chris, you said, now we can make it work, right? We can shuffle around the deck. We can do a few things. We could, you know, make sure that that technician is available or that lift is available. And that's all the expectation that people have. And one more thing, dropping off the car, folks, for goodness sakes. After hours drop-off system, after hours pickup system with those boxes and lock keys and stuff like that. The number of people that go, I didn't know you had that is amazing because yeah. that's the most convenient for them is to drop it off after hours, not during the hours of the day. We can yeah. actually do this and meet their expectations. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to go back to what Chris was saying about leaving the ticket open for a minute. I challenge any shop that does that to go back over your open ticket list right now and find out how many people said, I'll do it later, or I'll come back in two weeks. They never come back. True. How many tickets you have open with two, $300 worth of labor on there that honestly, between all of us, you're never going to see now. And it's a shame. Don't do that. If you're going to let them leave, 
close that damn ticket out and uh, get a new ticket started. But Rick, it'll change my invoice count. Don't care. Yeah, right? Yeah. Money in the bank Uncle is more money. important than an invoice. That's all I'm saying. Right? It's the whole shop owners being proud of the fact that they're booked three, four weeks out. I used to fall into that and think about, you know, like six, eight months ago, I used to think that, man, that's that's a good problem to have. But then when you talk to them about productivity and stuff like that, most of them are booked out and it's not good. But here's the other thing. I don't think they should be proud of the fact that they're booked out three to four weeks. They got to figure out a way to cut that timeline down, whatever it takes. Another shift, extra days, four tens. I mean, we could go down 18 different rabbit holes right now. But if you're a shop owner and you're out there and you're like, oh man, I'm proud that I'm booked out three, four weeks. Fix that. Get the timeline pulled back down and you can uh, send me dirty emails and everything else, but I don't care. I don't think you should be proud of it. We did a couple of shows recently. The group that I was with and discussed said, wow, this could be the new frontier of training. And it was about dispatch. We did a Town Hall Academy episode 330. We are currently in episode 339. So it was about nine weeks ago we did that. And it was a Remarkable Results 849. And it was a great discussion on dispatch. And it was all about the chess pieces that an individual service advisor or parts person who's a dispatcher, the shop foreman, it's almost like all the work comes at you. But are we stopping for a moment and realizing the assets that we have inside of our building from equipment to people to time that we can literally get that schedule going, make those customers happy, create that client experience officer mentality in the business by having really good processes, systems in, in dispatch. I just throw that out that maybe we can shorten our timeline. For me, until we as an industry can get over the fact that more cars does not equal more profit. I think that's a big thing because I think most shop owners, when we're technicians, we think I just need more cars, I need more cars. And as long as we have that focus and we're afraid to say not now, I don't think we should ever say no to somebody, but I think we should be able to say, not now. I need my car to come in today. I'm sorry, we've already got today filled with responsibilities, but if you bring it in, like Marie said, I espouse underfilling my schedule. Like, first of all, I think if as an owner, you got to figure out what you're comfortable with from a perspective of how far out you should be booked. I, for me as an owner, if I was coming in every day and didn't know it was coming in the next day, I wouldn't feel good about that. I like knowing I've got a runway. Let's say they're five days out and then all of a sudden they're booked, they're busy, busy, busy. And then all of a sudden they're four days out and they're starting to slow down a little bit and get caught up and they're starting to breathe a little bit. And man, this feels good. And then, man, they're three days out and they're, man, we're catching up on stuff and we got these projects we're getting rid of. And then lo and behold, they wake up and they're like, crap, I've got no work. And the problem <laughs> is the trigger is that the crap, I've got no work. Whereas if you were normally booked five days out and somebody was in charge of really watching that, and the moment you dropped to four days booked out, you went, oh, crap, let's turn the heat up. We got to do some stuff, get it back out to five. Yeah. You'd never be slow again as long as you were in business. But you've got to figure out where that comfort level was. Now, for me, it was two weeks. I was very happy with a two weeks out for normal stuff, but we had time baked in every day for emergencies, breakdowns, where we had the most production come out of the shop, right? I had guys that were running 165 to 170% efficiency because we had the flows in place and it wasn't with lots of cars. It was doing great jobs with the cars we had. And I think once we get to that position, 
And we're able to say, because here's the thing, if you're booked out, you can either do nothing and continue to stress out your team and your staff, right? And your clients, you can raise your rate. That's a great thing you can do. I mean, like Chris said, there's lots of rabbit holes. One of the things I'm talking to my clients about, because I don't think this is going away. There's lots of shops closing up right now. And I don't think this is going to go away. I think we've got to get better at saying yes to the right stuff. In other words, What's the work that you're most productive with, most efficient with, and most profitable with? And start to do more of that and say no to some of the stuff you're not profitable with, right? If I've got two techs in a shop, guess how many engine replacements I'm going to do? Zero. I am not going to tie up 50% of my workforce on an engine. It ain't happening. Let me send you to somebody else. You're just going to be smarter. Stop thinking you've got to do everything for everybody. Realize what it is you make money at and are really good at and then excel at that. That's one way to cut that schedule down. Stop trying to be everything to everybody. It doesn't work. And honestly, it's exhausting. What Rick said goes to what you said about resources. Knowing the talent you have in your shop, knowing the tools you have in the shop, being the conductor of the workflow in and out of the shop, knowing what's coming up, you know, you've got a big suspension job about to wrap up. You need to have another one booked behind that. And and the, the dispatcher role in that is knowing what is his assets he has on hand to sell more hours and make that shop more efficient and more money. And him, honestly, him more money. That's right. Well, if you had the, an incredibly large investment in a brand new alignment machine, then I guess on the schedule, those X amount of days out, you're looking to book alignments or at least have them so you can feed that mill. I got a question about KPI, the number of days out. Do you all work with your clients on a KPI of the number of days out? And then you worry about those rainy day texts and social media and stuff? To be honest, I don't work with the number of days out. Do the rest of you guys work with that? I don't. I just, yeah, we, we work to keep the schedule full. I do. But I think you got to define what does that mean for each owner? And then somebody's got to be in charge of how many days out are we and are we? That's one of the KPIs. That's a leading KPI. Because most of our KPIs are reactive. Hours per RO is reactive, right? right? But days booked out is a leading KPI that I can watch and measure. And it's absolutely in our coaching. It's something that we do all the time. And I'm wondering if when you look out at that week long, for example, you're booked out six days. Is there a way to take them and then say, I have X amount of these kinds of jobs, X amount of these kinds of jobs. Are you looking for that, Rick? We've said this for years in three words, dispatch to strengths. If I've got an ATAC, I've got to know, giving him a set of ball joints, yes, he can do them, but it's like me doing accounting in my coaching company. I'm worth $25 an hour when I'm doing the counting. I'm worth a lot more coaching. It's the same thing in the shop. Yes, I want to challenge people. I want to grow them, but to give a C-Tech or a B-Tech a check engine light without training, I'm going to want to swallow a bullet right? It's just not going to work, you know? And then we wonder why we're frustrated and we're not billing hours. It's because we're not yeah. dispatching to strengths. We're not scheduling to strengths. And so tomorrow you've got four Diags scheduled, check engines, for example, and you you may not get to them all. And that's where the problems come in. Oh, even better. The ATEC is on vacation this week. <laughs> so, Carmen, you know, the whole thing about learn one thing every day, I learned one thing. So everybody's watching Murray write down number of days booked out. Having said that, I was thinking about how do I work with my clients? Like, what is the form? And we talk about working with a, for a mechanical shop, working with a 30% reserve time, but we don't talk about reserve time daily. 
We talk about weekly reserve time. I talk about being booked out 75% for three weeks, not 100% for one week. So we're actually looking at scheduling for a month. So I use an angle and I, and I demonstrate it so that my Monday is full. My Tuesday is three quarters. My Wednesday is half full. My Thursday's got one appointment. My Friday. And then it's like a graph that moves across my calendar. And so I'm always 30% open, but it fills in as my day fills in, either with inspections, upsold, drop-ins, warranty, whatever fills it in, right? And then in the middle of that, I now am working with what you said, Carm, best practices. And again, most shop management system schedulers do not facilitate this. So some people are doing this in Google Calendar is six columns. One column is for basic maintenance services. We do two a day, whatever. The next column is maintenance services with other mechanical work client states, has leak, has rattle, has whatever. The next one is fast mechanical brakes, ball joints, and whatever. The next one is heavy mechanical, which is intakes and that kind of stuff. The last column is diag. And so the shops begin to practice what's the best mix of that piece as they're mixing with, again, resources, teams, and stuff like that. Advisors are not allowed to break the rules. I cannot bring in another maintenance service today unless it actually has other mechanical work. They talk about winter tires, right? The winter tires at this at one of these shops is craziness in, in northern climates, right? And I think some of you heard me say this. He says, our tire technicians are booked out three weeks to four weeks. However, if you have any mechanical concerns, we can have one of our mechanical technicians do that while those tires, while they do the brakes for you or the check engine light or whatever. He doesn't have tire tech. It's all a perception thing. But here's one more piece to add to it is I'm now beginning to watch best practices. And I'm, I'm not going to take credit for this. There's people teaching me this at their shops where the technician has identified the concern today. They might not work on that vehicle for three days. Now, they don't start the job till all the parts are there. Even if it's a Chevy 350 and it's a thermostat gas kit that everybody in town has, they won't start it because you never know because that truck, that parts truck is going to crash on the way to the shop that day, right? They will not start unless absolutely everything is there and inspected by an authorized person to inspect all the parts that they are correct. Now, here's the other part. They're now limiting testing inspection diag to only the mornings and they're limiting how many of those each technician does and one shop is now going to only Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So imagine a technician that has their one diag in the morning on Monday, and then the rest of the day is filled with the work that was identified last Friday. So when you talk about billing out 8, 10, 12 hours per technician per day, now you're not interrupting them with an oil change. You're not interrupting them. All that stuff is being managed. And when you're talking about that, you're talking about managing stops and starts. The more stops yes. and starts you have for a technician, exactly. it just kills productivity. If you've got like a technician that can build a 12-hour job out in eight hours, but you stop that person for three, four oil services, then he's going to spend 16 hours. That person's going to spend 16 hours doing those four jobs when that person could have just done it and done it. So you have to make sure that you have enough people in your base to do these jobs and apprentice techs, whatever you call them, whatever you do from there to make that work. And again, everybody shops differently. And so we're talking about productivity too, but one of the things we talk about more is about hours and hours per bay. I'm a full believer that you should have a technician in every bay nowadays. If you have somebody with COVID that's out for a week, somebody goes on vacation, you kill a bay per week. And if that technician's got two, three bays, then you kill three bays for that long. So that's another rabbit hole. But you have to manage those bays just like you manage the technicians. Is the new frontier of uh, bay management? I know uh, Chris Cloutier is working on stuff for that. I recently have a client that's building what we call the Garage Mahal. He went from a two-bay shop. He's going into an eight-bay, double-wide. He could fit 18-wheelers in this thing. It's 22 feet high. It's amazing, right? 
I joke with him that the garage is actually bigger than the town he lives in. But one of the things he's got is got two tacks and he's always blamed his lack of productivity based on the one bay, one tack. And I'm like, okay, but now you got to be aware of the creep, right? Now you got a lazy tack. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, the tacks, but we spread out. Let me leave this car on. I'll get this one. So he goes, well, my productivity and efficiency, will I make production, more production with multiple bays? And the answer is you should but not enough to justify the spread. If I have a tech that's producing $40,000 in one bay and I give him two bays and he goes to 50,000 in two bays, instead of getting 40,000 out of one, I'm getting 20 out of two, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Or 25 out of two, I should say. Yeah, doesn't make sense. I would be better off to keep him in one bay getting 40K and put another tech in and get another 40K. So we got to be aware of, yes, Productivity, efficiency, and that stuff's really important, but we got to look at facility utilization as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the worst decisions I ever made in my time as a shop owner was doing just that, Rick. Mm-hmm. I had a 3,500 square foot building that I acquired next door. We spread the shop out. And what did we do? We decreased our efficiency. Productivity stayed about the same, but a lot of that productivity was eaten up in steps between the office to pick up parts. If we could completely decentralize everything and it, it was a massive cost and a really tough lesson learned. I wholeheartedly agree with you. You got to be aware of the creep only at facility wow. in bays if you've got the work and you've got the team coming behind it. And, yeah. and I compare sales to bay in my, with my clients. Yep. And my, my smallest client is two bays has the highest sales per bay of anybody mm-hmm. I coach because in order for him to have his nets and pay himself well, he has to and he figures it out. Well, you know, Murray Rich just to that. I got one client. He had a record month last month, $140,000, two bays, two tech. I've got another client, six bays, four techs, did 123. Yeah. You nailed it. But yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about something Chris brought up about, you know, they, I think you were alluding to oil changes, Chris, and you talked about maybe we have to look at the mix of staffing and, and who does that kind of thing. Right. And you also mentioned that there are different business models and different ways of approaching it. And I too want to say as a coach that I want to be respectful of choices that owners have made. I will make suggestions if I'm asked generally, or if I see somebody going through, you know, there's a white light at the end of the tunnel. It's not, it's a train, right? I might intervene, but one of the things that as a customer, I enjoyed for two shops that we nearby where we live for probably 15 years was we never booked our cars in for an oil change. That was not how those shops work. I coached these shops, trained these shops. We booked our cars in for what was due. Our vehicles never had standalone oil changes. You didn't need a, an apprentice. You didn't need a, a, a general duty technician at those shops because they were doing oil change, cabin air filter, air filter, and wipers one visit. The next visit was oil change, GDI service, transmission service. The next visit was a you know serpentine belt tensioner and another GDI service. Like it was always five or $600 every visit because that's what a Volkswagen needs at every visit. We have to get away from this world of oil changes. Well, we've now moved. I keep trying to find a shop. We're getting closer, getting better. But we were out in my wife's Tiguan on the weekends. Very hot where we are in the Okanagan Valley here. 35 degrees Celsius. You guys do the math. It's like 108. And there's AC didn't seem to be keeping up with us, right? It was not uh, doing that well. So I put it on recirculate and the fan blew better than on outside air. I went bingo, cabin air filter, right? Guys, I don't tech on cars. I'm busy coaching. But guess what? When caught a cabin air filter, it took me point, point zero two to change it. 
And the AC is back to all cold and it's just as hot today as it was after. Now, what was that to that shop that it was the last oil change it was at, right? That's a $50 filter plus 0.2.3 that changed it. Why are shops not flipping doing what cars need when they're due to be done instead of, I need an oil change and giving, right? Like, holy Moses, I want to pull my hair out. Because we are in love with general service technicians and my problem with them from day one is the fact that they work on the most vehicles with the least experience and they are completely activity driven. Let me get the oil change in. Let me get the oil change out. Yep, I'll do everything on the checklist, but they can't understand the pattern failures. They don't know what to look for. They don't see the stuff that other people can see or hear and know what it means. But is so, is that their fault or a training fault for the owner for just pumping cars through and not giving them better training mm-hmm. to do those type of things? Or a procedure problem. Well, mm-hmm. it's more of a process issue, I think. If you're going to have a general service tech, there's got to be a way so that somebody is policing the inspections. And maybe the bone is, hey, if whatever we sell in this inspection, you'll get. But that's what I've talked with, you know, for a shop that has GS techs, general service techs. My thing is somebody's got to police these inspections after they've done it. So this gives them the opportunity to train them. They get the upsells. They find the stuff that they didn't find. And then we move forward. But Rick, I'm booked three to four weeks out and I'm the shop owner out in the shop now that's got to work. And who the hell's going to do all that stuff, right? Find back to your original station to have. Give me a call. Yeah. Put something up. Right. Exactly. But, I, but think yeah. about it this way as well, everybody who's listening. Think about it this way. And you have to watch... Your a month worth of transactions. How many of your clients are coming in twice in a month, either because you've allowed them to choose or because you've rebooked them? So I guarantee you, if we watch all the stuff we're talking about carefully, I guarantee you, if we do better inspections, identify the work, be prepared to sell it, have the parts on it, all the stuff we've been talking about, we're going to reduce our appointments by 25%. We won't have lost any business. We won't have lost any clients. When you talk about average worker size going up, where does that come from, everybody? It comes from the stuff we identified that we sold. So if your average work order size is only 325, including the general service technicians, I don't live in a world of general service technicians. You could probably get my drift from my face before earlier, right? I think everybody should be achieving to be at least, well, in Canada, red seal, right? Pass the, pass the bar exam, right? But the idea here is, is if we treat the client well, we treat the vehicle the way it's both designed to be looked after, we're not going to have oil changes by themselves. Our average work order size is going to be $600 every single visit because of how well we're running the business and presenting that to our client. I want to jump in on your point. So instead of coming in twice a month, they come in once a month. What we yeah. failed to take into account is the amount of time we've saved the customer to bring their vehicle back to our shop. If you really want to be a you know diamond in their eyes, honor their time. Give them the option to do the work while the vehicle's in the shop. It's right. more of a pain in the butt for me to take my car to the shop and drop it off twice than it is one time. What happens is the shop owner's seat in the way. It goes all the way back to one of the earlier questions is, when you need the car back? What I want to see is, I want to see cars that have 80 to 90% of what's in spec make it all the way through to that one work order, not two and three work order. And here's for you, those listening, how many times have you heard someone say, why are you telling me this now? Why couldn't you have done it while you had the car? Right. It happens all the time. It happened to me recently. Guys, why didn't you call me up and get the, do you know how hard, if I could find a shop that would call me up and go, hey, Rick, your truck's ready for service. Can I come pick it up? I would cry. I am the cobbler's, my truck, I swear to God, is like the the cobbler's kids, right? They're walking around with no shoes. 
I just don't have time. Thank you for reminding me. I think I need brakes. I think I need some kind of BG service uh, on my vehicle. So, you know, and every time I come into the studio, we talk automotive service and I go back up to the office and I forget to call. And so, Rick, to your point, wow, if they would just say, hey, based on our, I, how you're driving, Carmen, I think you got to have a brake job. I say, oh, great. Oh, great. Thank you. Let's do an inspection. Let's get the brakes looked at. Let's get that nervous feeling. We need to be more proactive as a provider because what we're talking about is the curse of knowledge. We unconsciously expect the driving public to have the same information and knowledge that we do. We make lots of assumptions and we don't take control. We don't guide them through a process that keeps them on the road safe without having to keep coming back. One point that I want to make sure we make is owners have honor and not digging for dollars and not finding big quotes and not doing all this, but they're doing a disservice to their client. If a shop owner tells me that, I'm like, I don't think you care about your client at all. And what happens when that client goes to somebody else on a vacation or something and their server D belt's cracked and about to fall off. Mm -hmm. If I see one person blow out an air filter again in my lot, I'm going to make that person eat that air filter. It drives me nuts. We had a quick loop sign up with us and I went and was able to do an on-site and they did like 30 vehicles in a couple hours and didn't sell one air filter and one cabin filter. I'm just sitting there watching everyone that came out, they pulled it out, they blew it out with air and put it right back in. Again, that goes back to training and everything else. And the tech was clean enough. I'm like, what's the standard here for crying out loud? And I think another show, Carm, sounds like Rick and I can do it or several of us could probably do it. Piper's Jeep went into service um, several weeks ago. And I've got a hell of a story on that. I've got both inspections I can show you from two different places. And we can talk about what we didn't get presented at one and what we got presented at the other one. Two completely different experience. Would you have paid for the uh, higher quote, Chris? I spent $4,600 on her Jeep. And mm -hmm. the first quote gave us a picture of her dirty air filter, but didn't tell anybody about it. They basically, I don't know how much, how deep we want to go into this, but she was prepared to spend five to six hours at this place to get it looked at and get it taken care of. She just finished her semester. She's getting ready to, to come to Austria. So we wanted it ready. So once she gets back from school, I told them who I was, what I did. They all have my website in the email. You just look it up and told him I wanted to look at the inspection. And she calls like 90 minutes later and says, I'm almost home. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're almost home. And I knew five or six things that it needed that I was prepared to have done. I called him up and said, hey, can you send me this inspection? And they sent it to me and I looked at it and I was just like, well. You're talking about a real world case study. Love to do that with you and uh, any one of the other coaches. Guys, look at, let's call this thing a timeout right now. I will give each of you a last word if we want to cover this, but here's some of my big takeaways. Chris Cotton says, managing stops and starts. To the customer, Rick says, converse about what they want. How cool is that? We talked about dispatch, under-promising and over-delivering. The new KPI, number of days that are out. Uh, Rick says, say yes to the right stuff and 30% uh, reserve on time opens so that we can handle the problems. Let's go Chris, Vic, Rick, Murray. In that order, you got the last word. Chris? I think this is a great show. I don't know that we need to add any more to mm -hmm. you, but the biggest thing is, is figure it out for crying out loud. Don't sit underneath the rod. Don't hide underneath the hood of a car in the back of the shop. Get up in the front of your shop and do the work to improve your business. That's what it's all about. 
Thank you. Vic. You will do your customer the best service by taking care of and valuing the time that they have given you with their vehicle. You do that and you'll be a hero in their eyes and you'll be able to do anything you want with their vehicle. Great advice. Thank you, Rick. So, you know, in this industry, it tends to be feast or famine and we complain about both, but I need you to understand that we're in control of both. And if you are overscheduling, you're bringing in, you're saying yes when you should say no because you're at capacity. You have a choice. You can burn out your staff. You can raise your rates and cut down a little bit on the people. You can add more hours. You can be more selective about the work you do, but do something that gets control of your schedule because you need to understand if you're overbooked, and I'm just talking every day, too many cars, it's your fault. Figure out what you're doing and get help if you need it, but fix it. Hey, Rick, you do a Monday, nine o'clock Eastern, right? Every Monday? 9, 10 a.m., just one thing, every Monday morning on Facebook, 180biz. Cool. And also, I know you do a free shop lunch round table. Second Thursday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern. Come to our website, 180biz.com. Sign up. It's absolutely free. No sales. Just get some help. Beautiful. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Murray, you're up uh, and you're the last call here. In an effort to be ethical and be moral, because most shop owners are, to avoid being tarred with that brush of criminality and dishonesty and selling things that are not needed, we err on the side of disservice. There are accepted original equipment manufacturer's recommendations There are accepted technician experience recommendations for intervals, for cabin air, air filters, transmission fluid, wipers, and the rest of it. And we keep waiting, like like Rick said, cursing knowledge, we keep waiting for customers to know when to ask for what we need. They don't know when to ask for it. If we're not changing cabin air filters, we're having AC issues. If we're not changing air filters, we have fuel economy issues. If we're not changing transmission fluid, we're having premature transmission failure. We are actually doing our clients a disservice. There is an ethical, moral standard by which we can live and present. And if the consumers actually knew their rights, we would have more lawsuits for not doing what we're doing than Uh for doing things that we didn't do, if that all made sense. Very eloquent. Thank you. I had time to think. He took a lot of notes and did that. That's really good, Murray. Very good, Murray. All right. I'll always have you on last, Murray, okay? Anyway, thank you so much to Murray Voth, RPM Training, Rick White, President, 180 Biz, Chris Cotton from Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching, Vic Tarasik, Shop Owner Coach. Thanks, guys. Great show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.